Hello, this is Brian from Living in the End Times with Amos and X. As always, thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to follow us on social media. Give us a favorable rating on the podcast app of your choice, say CastBox or Podcast Republic. And most importantly, support us through Patreon at patreon.com slash endtimespodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash endtimespodcast, one word. And thank you in advance. Good evening. That was Tyler Childers' Long Violent History. So he got a lot of shit for that, as you can imagine. Um, and there's an accompanying message from Tyler video where he 
does sort of a monologue about like people are pissed that he's, you know, uh, supporting black lives matter. Um, and he talks about, uh, extremely presciently how, uh, he talks about a lot. It's worth watching. Um, maybe I should just play it. I'm just going to play it. Uh, sure. Back in June, when I wrote the song Long Violet History, it was my original goal to continue to make fairly legible sounds on the fiddle and put this album out with no announcements or press. I'd planned to package it as an old-time fiddle album and let the piece make its statement on its own, taking the listener by surprise at the end. However, there has been concern that the album could run the risk of being misinterpreted if not given some sort of accompanying explanation to set it in context. A writer can write an essay, but the writer can never predict or control how that essay is interpreted by the reader, be it in a tone of level-headed calmness or preachy, holier-than-thou, condescending way. As a recovering alcoholic who has drunk and drugged himself around the world playing music for the better part of 11 years and now has six months of sobriety, I can say with clarity that I have no soapbox to stand on to talk preachy to anyone on anything, be it the word of God or the condition of the world. But as a person who has been given a platform by providence, luck, support, and working at it, I would feel undeserving of the grace this world has given me, and I would find it a waste were I not to try and use it to make some good. Long Violent History is a collection of instrumental pieces intended to create a sonic soundscape for the listener to set the tone to reflect on the last track, which is my own observational piece on the times we are in. COVID has been a strain on all of us in some form or fashion. People have been cooped up and quarantined. People have lost their jobs and are struggling to make ends meet. People have lost their family members. The country is feeling a general angst. All the while, we've all witnessed violent acts of police brutality happen around the nation that have gone unaddressed. In response, we've seen protests turn to riots, and riots culminate in acts of violence and destruction of property. From the outsider's perspective, it's hard to see where all this visceral anger is coming from. What I believe to be one of the biggest obstacles in pinpointing the cause of this is our inability to empathize with another individual or group's plight. In the midst of our own daily struggles, it's often hard to share an understanding for what another person might be going through. With that in mind, at the risk of mistakenly analogizing two groups of people, I would ask my white rural listeners to think on this. I don't mean to imply that many of you aren't already doing good self-examination on this issue, but I have heard from many who have not. What if we were to constantly open up our daily paper and see a headline like, East Kentucky man shot seven times on fishing trip, and read on to find the man was shot while fishing with his son by a game warden who saw him rummaging through his tackle box for his license and thought he was reaching for a knife. What if we read a story that began North Carolina man rushing home from work to take his elderly mother to the ER run stop sign and is pulled over and beaten by police when they see a gun rack in the truck? Or a headline like Ashland Community and Technical College nursing student shot in her sleep. How would we react to that? 
what form of upheaval would that create? I venture to say if we were met with this type of daily attack on our own people, we would take action in a way that hasn't been seen since the Battle of Blair Mountain in West Virginia. And if we wouldn't stand for it, why would we expect another group of Americans to stand for it? Why would we stand silent while it happened, or worse, get in the way of it being rectified? I've heard people from my Appalachian region say that we want to act the way we've seen depicted on various media outlets. But I've also seen grown folks beat each other up the day after Thanksgiving for TVs and teddy bears. And these aren't things this community has lost. These are sons and daughters, brothers and sisters and cousins, mothers and fathers. Irreplaceable threads within their family fiber torn from their loved ones too soon with no justice, and they are demanding change, same as I expect we would. Life is hard enough without being worried about the smallest interaction with a public servant. So what can the rest of us who feel seemingly outside of these issues do? First, we can use our voting power to get rid of the people that have been in power and have let this go unnoticed. Chances are the people allowing this to happen are the same people keeping opportunity out of reach for our own communities that have watched job opportunities shipped out and drugs shipped in, eating up our communities and leaving our people desperate in what some folks would deem a food desert. We can stop being so taken aback by Black Lives Matter if we didn't need to be reminded there would be justice for Breonna Taylor, a Kentuckian like me, and countless others. We can start looking for ways to preserve our heritage outside lazily defending a flag with history steeped in racism and treason. Things like hewing a log, carving a bowl, learning a fiddle tune, growing a garden, raising some animals, canning our own food, hunting and processing the animal, fishing, blacksmithing, trapping, and tanning the hide, sewing a quilt. And if we did things like that, we'd have a lot less time to argue back and forth over things we don't fully know, backed by news we can't fully trust. Love each other, no exceptions, and remember, united we stand, divided we fall. Couldn't have said it better. Um, recording on September 23rd, the night, Brianna Taylor's uh, murderers were all exonerated effectively. Um, no indictments except one, uh, what is it, willful endangerment or some bullshit, which right, just means shooting guns. literally, literally the only thing they were indicted for was that a couple shots missed Brianna Taylor. And then a few hours later, Two cops were shot in Louisville uh, as a protest erupted. It's like Tyler Childers said in that song. What would happen if you're full? If if our you know, if the people from where we live <clears throat> were shot up and cuffed and laid left laying with full holes, full of bullet holes, um, would we tuck tail and run or? would we basically create, you know, make a posse and go looking for justice? Um, you get what you pay for. 
I don't even think we need to talk about advocating for violence or not. I made those positions very clear. It's not even about that anymore. It's just fucking math. Um, this will keep happening as long as, you know, there's no justice for anyone. You know, not that I expect justice from a system as corrupt and um, barbaric as this one, but, like, they're not even afraid of retaliation, so they're going to get it. Well, I'm not... Uh... Not to sort of equate the two texts or compare them, but um, the the song, the long violent history song, you know, can't help but sort of bring to mind the Cronenberg uh, film, A History of Violence, of Viggo Mortensen, and that's sort of a similar sort of thing with not Childress, but the Breonna Taylor stuff, where you have this protagonist, quote unquote, or question mark um, character who has this violent history and does these terrible things, but then at the end of the day, you know, comes home to his family. Spoiler alert. You mean, who are you equating Viggo Mortensen with? Oh, uh, with the cops. Oh, okay. Because the protagonist yeah. in the children's song is the people getting killed. I mean, Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I. that's a complicated comparison. Um, like, oh, yeah, I don't mean to compare, just saying it brought to mind that yeah. notion again with, <laughs> with the cops not, uh, or the, the protagonist not being a protagonist. What do you mean? I, I'm getting, I'm just confused. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not following what you're saying. It was so confusing. It was probably not even worth <laughs> bringing up, worth bringing up. I was just suggesting that um, there's folks that we've been trained to sort of think of as protagonists since the time we were kids, for example, the police, et cetera, these other authorities are, are have a violent history. Every, mm -hmm. I mean, this entire country does, and it's, um, you know, but they just go home to their family at the end of the day with no, like it's nothing meaning with no uh retribution and no Correct, accountability yeah. okay right 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 yeah right so like i guess along those lines um in an interview recently noam chomsky was talking about some dc think tanks that had played out the possible outcomes um relating to the election and every single outcome ends in civil war unless trump wins and these are not like, you know, these are like serious analysts. Uh, both from, from both sides, right? Republican I, and Democrat. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and so the, the threat, well, it's not even a threat. I mean, like the, the reality of that is uh, unfolding, I guess. And, you know, just tonight also Trump was asked again if he would, if there would be a peaceful transition of power. And he said, he basically at most was like, well, well, to see what happens, but he said there won't be a transfer of power. Um, like, we're really, we were talking beforehand about, like, I mean, I'll just, I guess I'll let you explain about, like, people, like, sort of this, this gulf between what people seemingly see happening and what they mm -hmm. believe or whatever. Yeah, no, we, so uh, building a bit on uh, some of the commentary we had last time at the end of the last episode about, you know, the armies of yogis coming into the workplace and so on, and what you can or can't say as an, in, in a negative response by way of a negative response um, to the situation. Um, you know, I talked to folks at work and I don't mean to, I should probably give them more credit or just family or other, again, quote unquote normies. And I, I just don't understand how how it is they're not seeing the seriousness of the situation. And they don't seem to be, whether it's the climate crisis or the collapse of democracy and all this stuff. Um, and I think your point was good is that, well, for a lot of reasons, a lot of folks 
like they're incapable of seeing the seriousness or just it does it's not shown to them through their social media algorithm feed or through certainly the the mainstream media um and just other ways that we've been trained to think or not think dream or not dream um but i was just saying yeah it's i don't understand what what does it take to get people to sort of pay attention yeah and i was commenting that the so the michigan legislature was taken by armed quote unquote protesters yet again um hundreds this time demanding open carry laws um and as we know michigan's going to be a key swing state um no matter what happens so just to game out a little bit of like you know this is noam chomsky again this is not someone who is speaking like loosely uh ever and he's effectively saying that like we're headed for a civil war unless trump wins why well in so in pennsylvania um there's a court ruling that uh mail-in ballots will be thrown out if they're not returned in the correct envelope and this is in the past if people return them in the in an incorrect envelope they were um like they were still counted, but now they're saying they're not going to count them. And that could account for a hundred thousand ballots. Well, Trump won Pennsylvania by like 44,000 votes in 2016. So that right there could swing Pennsylvania. Nate Silver of 538 said um, his projections are that if Trump wins Pennsylvania, there's an 84% chance he wins the Electoral College. If Biden wins Pennsylvania, there's a 96% chance he wins the Electoral College. So effectively, I mean, obviously, we'll just see what happens. But effectively, assuming that's like kind of true, it's all down to Pennsylvania. And so the fix is already in. I mean, this is this is a fake election. Um, I, I've been saying it's a fake election since like COVID hit because the primaries were illegitimate, the democratic primaries. Um, but like the, th it's not even a threat of a civil war that kind of like unfolding of the preconditions of a civil war that it's, that are just intensifying. Like there were all these people on the West coast. There were people stopping armed. I wouldn't calling them a militia is probably overstating it, but armed gangs of, white dudes with ARs were stopping cars because of these fake rumors that Antifa people were starting the forest fires, which, you know, as uh, I was listening to the QAnon anonymous podcast, which is like a, uh, kind of an anti Q podcast. And they were like, what is the logic here that the, <laughs> like all the anarchists live in the Pacific Northwest. So they're going to burn down their own house, like their whole <laughs> cities and everything. Like, right. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but these, the, the pro Trump people, the Q people, the Q people are very, that's a lot of fucking people. That's not yeah. a marginal thing. That's, there's like 4.5 million, I guess, estimated Q supporters on Facebook. And a lot of that could be duplication. So let's assume it's just a million. A million's enough to start enough shit that there's a problem. Yep. There's already been reports of people planning to um, try and stop people from voting. Trump supporters to try and like disrupt voting. 
Um, that's unique in American history since probably um, Reconstruction or, you know, I mean, leaving aside Jim Crow, I guess. Um, definitely in the post in post-war America, that's fairly unique. Definitely under neoliberalism. Um, and even when it was happening, I think it was more like it was more of sort of a ominous ever present threat rather than this in open defiance. Like these, this is like real failed state shit. Um, and so like the, uh, you know, what are the, what does the next month or two look like? I, I have no idea. Um, right. I, I imagine we could see shooting on election day. Yeah. At some of these places. Right. Um, it's going to depend how it looks if, mm-hmm. you know, like some people are saying that they're seeing Biden, they're seeing the Democrats take all three, who uh, take the presidency, the House and the Senate. If that happens, if that looks like it's going to happen. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of fucking, there's a lot of plates in the air right now. Like, mm-hmm. RBG's dead. And just, I don't want to get into all this because I think it's fucking ridiculous to venerate a, someone with absolute power like that. Um, of course, like the liberal, the liberal psychotics were like really showing their asses in the aftermath. I mean, posting and reposting this garbage. Like, if you're a woman and you have a checking account and you can vote and blah, 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 or, you know, whatever, like, Thank RBG. Okay, so feminism never happened, just RBG. How feminist of you to ignore the struggles of women for the last 100, 200 years. Like, fuck off. Um, it Obviously, the uh, reason I bring it up is the reason RBG is going to be replaced by Trump in the next two months is her fucking fault. She could have quit in 2009 when the Democrats could have put fucking Bernie Sanders on the court or something. Um, This is all her fault. So I have no empathy for that. Like that decision to stay on the court. She was what? Like she was already in her mid to late seventies when Obama got in and she decided to wait it out. Like she couldn't even, not even in 16 when she was 82, that's not good enough. You got to wait again because it's, I mean, just like fucking baffling and not even to mention all her reactionary positions on so many other things. But if we, (laughs) we're going to definitely have a, a 2000 type scenario, probably if it's even anywhere close, like unless Biden wins like 360 electoral votes, which probably won't happen. Um, We will have some horrific scenario where it's going to get down to stopping a vote somewhere. And if Trump's already packed the court (laughs) effectively, if Trump has a six, three majority um, in that scenario, I mean, forget it. Like he's, he's not going to leave office. The only reason we're even having the semblance of an election is because he didn't have enough consolidated power to pull off postponing it imagining that trump won't be 
still in office in February 2021 is pretty insane to me. Uh, one way or another, there's I agree. There's a myriad of possibilities of how that could play out, you know, and why that would happen. But it's uh, it'd be pretty shocking if Biden got in. I guess. Yeah. No, and uh, to your point about the Chomsky uh, statements from uh, New Statesman, well, at least that buys us time without a civil war. Uh, now, right. yeah. how long? I don't know. I don't know. I still think, um, again, all the all the pieces are in place for something like that to to happen almost at the drop of a hat. You know, another another George Floyd, another Minneapolis, Portland, whatever. Uh, you could argue we're already in it, right? Mm-hmm. It's happening in in a variety of different ways. Yeah. Well, and there's no help coming. Like they mm-hmm. won't pass another stimulus bill. They just won't fucking do it. Like I was listening to an episode the Black Messiah episode of this podcast where I was convinced that we'd get a skinny bill because McConnell was telling Trump to do it or, you know, we'll do this if you're on board. And then they still didn't fucking do it because the Democrats didn't put any pressure on him uh, because there's no significant, like, it's not, it's not hard to put pressure on the Republicans. It really isn't. All Nancy Pelosi would have to say is, We've done what we can, and the and Mitch McConnell won't listen. So we need you to go to his fucking house and protest. We need you to, you know, uh, shut down D.C. if you want another stimulus bill. I mean, I'm not saying people would listen to her, but she's not saying that. She didn't give a right. shit. Um, the evictions, I'm sure, have started. They're not being covered. Uh, you know, it's not a story. It's not newsworthy um, to the bought off news but like things are not going to get better like it's not as though covid ended first of all it didn't end um it just continues to get worse or you know like not stop but like all those horrific numbers that we were talking about months ago about 85 percent of independent restaurants projected to close by december that doesn't what has changed there's no Stimulus bill just changed that. Um, Trump, you know, stopped the eviction. So that's like, that's better than absolutely nothing, but it doesn't buy much time. So yeah, like, hi, I mean, yeah, I, I guess so to your point, like, does the Civil War start November 3rd or does it start January 25th or does it start, you know, in February? Like, there's just like we're getting beyond the point of even the semblance of social cohesion, and that's not true in literally every corner of America, but it doesn't have to be everywhere. Um, you know, I think it's important to like think through what a civil war will look like. It's certainly not going to look like it did in the 19th century. It's going to be flare-ups and uh, chaos in different places, and greater or lesser amounts of coordination the, the you know, is it going to totally look like Syria where there's just no services and no gas and no nothing? Mm-hmm. Probably not because there won't be major powers bombing the living shit out of all the infrastructure. Um, could you see like small scale terrorism all over the place? Absolutely. I mean, the right's fucking chomping at the bit for that. Like there mm-hmm. was some article that came out today that was, they exposed that there were um, people were plotting to attack Portland, the right, 
like including up this weekend mm-hmm. uh attacked the protests and so like you know trump's again playing a very dangerous game like he 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 ordered bill Barr to designate new york seattle and portland as these anarchist jurisdictions um and it's dangerous because the left is so stupid they just like laugh it off i mean it's it is funny but they laugh it off like uh oh how do i you know i need to move there or like this is incredible like they're making fun of trump for doing this and it's like you realize that it's not a compliment to anybody except you like in the rest of the country people look at that and they think that either trump's right or they see why he did it uh and that's that's dangerous because he's already trying to fracture the social body as a political move um and whether or not it's effective in the first instance doesn't make any difference because he's setting the he it's like they were talking about in chapo like as soon as you start arguing the merits of a by way of analogy as soon as you start arguing the merits of a supreme court justice you've already lost the argument um, right it's, it's over same thing here if if this continues and people start pushing back against it trump will be able to start sort of cordoning off parts of the country like the reason he's not including california is because there's too much money there but like he's already set up l- legal antagonisms between new york and the rest of the country like the new york da already took the bait and so like this is not going to end um and trump won't leave office so you know and you could even like you said maybe that if that prevents civil war temporarily it's better than but like and i know you're saying that in a very qualified way but um I'm not pro-authoritarian, but, like, if it was somebody who had a plan and was actually trying to fix things, you could almost see going along with it because things right. are so bad. But that's not what Trump is. Like, he doesn't have a fucking plan. Um, he's Heath Ledger Joker. Like, he's right. He's just a dog chasing a fucking bone. Um, so, anyway, like, I don't... It's it's becoming difficult to even know what to say anymore because things are getting so like truly out of control. Uh, maybe we can talk about what a Biden presidency looks like. Sure. No, but all I'd add by way of response is maybe to uh, go back to something you'd said off off air earlier is that um, you know I mean all this is happening in the midst of this climate crisis too, and it's all connected, right? The migration crisis and capitalism the crisis in capitalism the environmental crisis it's all connected of course um the racism etc but you've got you know australia's on fire brazil is on fire the west coast of the united states is on is on fire and what's what's going to be the result again in terms of the landscape after that literally um we're just going to have a desert right and that's the direction we're going is you know you can make a baudrillard reference if you want uh but what we're going to see is kind of uh, you know, not if we're going to think about this in terms of Cormac McCarthy novels or something. It's not the road we're looking at. It's Blood Meridian, right, where there's that just moral confusion and just uh, sort of violence on an unprecedented scale in the desert. Um, and that's, again, starting with California as the sort of place or the 
you know, that Australia of the Mad Max films as the sort of uh, precursor or the, I guess, the vision of that. And that's where we're going to end up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, I yeah, I was saying off mic, this is actually the desert of the real, like not as right. a, not as an ideological concept. Um, like Baudrillard meant like um, the desert of the real as a sort of like post ideological hellscape um, where time doesn't ma- mean anything. And all you have is these vast expanses of space. Um, I mean, you can add to this. It's been a while since I've read him. But um, and Zizek wrote a book called The Welcome to the Desert of the Real after 9-11 with sort of similar kind of ideas. But like we're literally going to inhabit the uh, a wasteland Um, Mm -hmm. like we already know that if if the Amazon goes, if it, if it reach it, if it collapse, if the ecology collapses beyond a certain point, it won't come back as a rainforest. It will come back as grasslands. Um, which is why Bolsonaro wanted to burn it down. Um, we talked about that. He literally was having people start fires because it, it will just open the Amazon to, um, cattle ranching. And so it's just like uber pastoralism that will literally destroy the planet, destroy the prospect of human life, the survival of the species. Um, and then like on the West Coast, I was I don't know anything about this. Like Mike Davis talked about in that article we read last time um, that like part this is not not all of California, but the the desert parts that were burning, like those are not wildfire ecologies, which means they can't come back after that. And, and I don't know what happens if all the forest in the Pacific Northwest burn. Like, I don't know what happens. Um, does it, does it recover? If it recovers, how long does it take as a carbon sink? It's not going to recover nearly quickly enough for it to matter to, at, at our time scale. Um, we're going to need radical changes. Like we know that we talked about that uh, at length. Um, but I mean, you know, it's imperative that we understand the word need literally. Like if we don't do that, everything will just be a smoking hole. Like at literally everything very quickly. I mean, there's, more recent studies have come out showing that like the, the sort of uh, latitudes that will allow for broad based um, industrial farming inhabitable human life in the U S are going to start migrating North over the next like 80 years. Um, And then everything South of a certain point will just be too hot to live like that wet bulb temperature thing, like the relative humidity where it can only be maybe it's only 85 degrees but it's so humid that like if you're outside for six hours your body can't expel the amount of heat it needs to to survive you'll just die and that's going to that is a rarity thankfully at this point on earth but very you know in relative terms very quickly that can change and so like 
you know, my friend had asked something or speculated about like, what's the kind of like, what's the point of continuing to try to fight this or whatever? Like, and I was like, well, I'm about to pass out. So I'll to think about it. But my initial response is none of this is going to last none of it. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing to accept is like when you were commenting about, you know, not really understanding why normies can't see what's happening as it's happening. Um, my comment was like, it's boomer mentality. Like they've been told that if they follow the rules, they're going to get rewarded with safety and comfort. Um, and that's just not true. Like it, it used to be true kind of for some people. And it kind of is true for a little, a slim minority of middle-class people, but most of those people are so radically in debt that they're, they're sort of nihilistic anyway about what they're doing. Um, because the, the math doesn't work. The math doesn't work out so that you ever pay off any of these loans. If you buy a, you know, a house for $400,000 and you make $60,000 a year or whatever, it's just not going to happen. And on top of student debt, on top of whatever. And so like we have like a trifecta, if not more of systemic crises right now. We have political crisis that we've talked about. We have an economic crisis. We have an ecological crisis. Um, we're about to have a migration crisis, like internally, um, already like one of our friends had to move back from Portland because of the rioting and uh, this is their logic, but the, the, the rioting and the forest fires. Okay. That's, you know, that's not, nobody's untouched by that. Like most people live on the coasts. Um, so then what happens? We don't know. And nobody's offering a plan. Again, same, like I said before, if like if Bernie Sanders, let's say, let's say the Democrats had nominated Bernie, um, there's no way Trump would accept a loss there, but at least you could have a fight that people could commit to because they knew that there was some alternative value. Um, what happens if Trump won't leave office and it's Biden? Nobody's excited about Joe Biden. Like my friend sent me an article that or a tweet about like these people were claiming that somebody defaced their house and they tore their Trump 2020 sign down and spray painted Biden 2020. And I was like, no one has ever written Joe Biden's name on a piece of paper, let alone spray painted it anywhere. Um, so like there's nothing there to inspire anyone because there's nothing right. there. People aren't stupid. Like they're not being offered anything. None of their, Concerns are being addressed. So what do they have to fight for? Um, which produces a, a vacuum, you know, produces social violence and fascism. Like Trump's not yet at the level of like Trump doesn't have enough control over the state to be seriously considered a fascist. I was watching an old David Graeber interview and he was like, they were like, is Trump an anarchist? And he's like, no, Trump's a corporatist in the old mid-century mid-20th century sense of the term like he's basically like a keynesian um corporatist who you know is interested in like real estate deals and shit like that 
um, being, and now this isn't Graber, this is me, but like being a fascist, you like, if you want, like Hitler was offering people something. I'm not sure Trump is offering people anything. Like, I think that's another like thing that makes, or an element that makes us so dangerous is, and this is, I'm not defending Hitler. I'm just saying like, you had like an overt ideology that was unifying people. Now it was unifying people by force and desperation, no doubt. Um, and brutality. But what I'm saying is like Trump could not marshal the political will to have some sort of like, uh, to embark on some crusade to conquer Europe or even South America or something like that. Like, right. That's not feasible. And that's a fucking problem. Like, I think that one of the dangers of a Biden presidency, so like bracket everything we said about, you know, civil war, if Biden gets into power, I think it's going to be even at, at, at the level of political um, reality, it's going to be worse because what Trump has managed to do, maybe in spite of all odds, is he's managed to sustain enough hate toward him um or on the other side like enough hate against people who are against him like the pro-trump people don't really care about trump they just care about hating the people who hate trump so it's all spite based right and that has functioned as like kind of a you know dutch boy with his finger in the dam to keep the appearance of a, pol- a coherent political reality alive, but that is gone now. Like you have, um, with something like QAnon, which has, you know, 400, 4.5 million Facebook, um, users apparently are into Q. And, but they say that that's it, some of that may be duplication, even if it's only a million, like that is massive. There's at least one Congress person, someone running for Congress. She's now unopposed and she's a pro Q person. We're going to have yeah. a sitting Congress person who is an open Q supporter. Um, those are the people you got to watch out for because like, I understand the draw. Like the argument is that Trump is trying to rid, um, the world basically of this cabal of deep state pedophiles who want to steal your kids and eat literally drink their blood. Okay. Well, yeah, if if you if you can swallow that pill um then like the real the real draw of Q is pure self-righteousness. Like pure unfettered um holy war crusader shit. Right? Violence against other people right without because you're on the true side you're on the ultimate side of good you want to protect children like Mm -hmm. if you're looking for meaning and you're kind of an idiot like and you're willing to like dive in and i do mean idiot i mean this shit is like all concocted like it's it's all been debunked um basically it's a fucking golden ticket like all of a sudden your life has meaning it's it's a you know, that's why they say it's like kind of a combination of a political thing and a cult and 
like an addiction and a mental illness and they don't have a way to get people out of it. Like it scares the people who look at it closely because they don't have a solution. Those people are capable of anything. Now, thankfully up till now it's since the people kind of behind the scenes who are feeding the, the Q drops and all this shit. And I'm not talking about who Q themselves is. I mean, I don't, that doesn't even matter. I'm talking about the people that surround, like the people who uh, made the platforms that Q is dispersed on and the that is aggregated from. Like those people are completely full of shit um, and cynical. the The good news is these people aren't organized, but if somebody figures out a way, and I don't think it's that hard to do. Like mm-hmm. if you're like kind of a decently cynical and opportunistic right winger with a little bit of charisma, you could easily stitch together the Trump movement and the Q movement into a bigger political ideology. And then you have an army um, who will probably throw themselves literally into hell to, you know, fight for you. That doesn't constitute revolutionary discipline, but you don't really, if the Nazis showed us anything, it's like, all you really need is control. And then you can kind of like concoct the rest. You can create through fear. Like, you know, people are always like, Oh, here are the brown shirts. People forget that the brown shirts were a bunch of drunken teenagers who were just given too much power. Like they were like bros. They were like frat boys. That's the danger of the brown shirts is this sort of like, you now have permission to do evil and you're welcome to get off on it. Like those, they're going to draw from the Q people that those, those type of people, like all these alt-right fuckers, like they're thankfully too stupid to really pull anything off. Um, like, Really, like, they don't, like, Richard, uh, what's that guy's name? Richard Seymour or whatever, what the fuck is his name? Oh, Spencer. Spencer. Um, like, he, he way overplayed his hand, like, repeatedly. Same with that Milo guy. Like, they're, they're just not any good at this, thankfully. Um, but if you get people who are better political operators, who are willing to sort of work behind the scenes longer, it would not be difficult to fire up a lot of these people, especially if you get if officers in the military or ex officers got saw some opportunity to take power, then you could have real political disrupt or you know socio political disruption. Um, all none of that's here, but that still doesn't matter. Like I'm just talking about. My whole point there was like, in order to get fascism, you need people who are not retarded. Like you, they'd have to be evil and committed and disciplined at pulling the strings. Um, Trump doesn't have any of that. He's never had a consolidated base of power within the bureaucracy any, at any time. Um, which is good news for us. Uh, but that doesn't mean things couldn't change. Um, and you're going to probably, it's like to, you know, to return again to Bannon's idea about the fourth turning, whether or not we accept that notion. Like, th- th- what's interesting about it is, again, he's, his example of the Civil War is like you had these, like, fucking losers, like uh, Lincoln, who is just some railroad lawyer in Illinois, or like Ulysses S. Grant, who's just like a drunk or you know like a quartermaster out in the boondocks who became the agents of you know became the central figures in history um 
in the fourth turning scenario, you have the people from the periphery end up rising to the occasion because they're not within the ossified power structures. And I think that's probably where we're headed one way or another. Um, who that's going to be remains to be seen, but it's, it's completely, I think that, and this is the only like glimmer of hope, like the tiny, the tiny silver lining is just that if the left figures out how to pull their heads out of their asses, they may come out of this in power. Um, if they're careful about what they do and sustain some sort of discipline, but they have to be willing we have to start to be willing to try and take power directly um, as conditions unravel. Like that is, that is, should be the mission. So like, for instance, you know, all my criticisms of DSA still intact. DSA is making a plan to try and take over the entire New York city city council, because I think something like over 60% of the seats are up for grabs because of term limits next year. And so they're trying to build actual an actual political apparatus to take over the whole thing. If you can manage that, then you have a lever of power, a real lever of power um, in, you know, the most powerful city on earth, probably, if, at least financially. And so, like, that should be the left's task now is to start to think more ruthlessly about where look for look for fissures, look for places where things are unraveling and figure out how to brutally or not, you know, insert yourself as the solution to the problem as these things unfold. Because again, if we have a civil war, it won't be like clear sides. It's not going to be, it's not going to be blues and grays. It's going to be just yeah. chaos. Um, yeah. And again, if Biden gets into power, I mean, I defy anybody to explain to me what a Biden presidency looks like. I think it's just going to be a total fucking shit show, like uh, in terms of social violence and chaos, because there's just not going to be any, there's just that bifurcated reality between the elites and the rest of us will just be on full display. I mean, Trump at least gestures toward his base and tries to drum up, you know, vitriolic support and all of that stuff that is effective to whatever degree, but mostly that's among these kind of like, vulgar you know bourgeois people trying to pretend like they're working class like the the boat parades you mentioned off mic mm -hmm. um people who have boat parades are fucking petite bourgeois assholes who pretend like they're working class they're not working class they're fucking they own plumbing companies and use car dealerships and shit they're just fucking lunatics um the there's no roadmap for this because it's so fucking I definitely don't think there's going to be any sort of military coup, at least not for the first year. It depends, though. Again, if Biden somehow gets into power and things unravel very violently, like I'm kind of honestly, I'm kind of glad that Harris is the VP, because if they can somehow get Biden. If they can, like, if he dies or is sort of like removed from office, right? Just she, she at least is capable of authoritarianism. I'm not going to yeah. like what she does, but like. She might unify the country in a in a dark way um, against her, even you know. Yeah. But like, B Biden is he? He's a paper towel. Like he's he's not even a paper tiger. He's a paper towel. Like he doesn't exist. That's dangerous. Right. And I would only 
I mean, for what it's worth, we're, I think, a week out from the first debate, uh, assuming that even happens, assuming Trump shows up or Biden shows up. But um, I, I don't know if we'll learn more about what our future looks like after that or not. But um, I was only going to say that's that might be um, a, a clue. And maybe this episode hopefully is out before that. But um, the other glimmer of hope for what it's worth is we've we've gone this entire episode without mentioning that it seems that, you know, astronomers, et cetera, have discovered likely signs of life on Venus. So maybe we could end up there. Yeah. So there's this phosphine gas that's like, it's very unique. Like you, you basically need organics to produce it. And there are high enough levels in the atmosphere that a Venus atmosphere, Venusian atmosphere that um, they're speculating that there's some form of life that exists on Venus. Now, um, I was in an astrology group and somebody was like, they were like, they showed some screenshot where they were like, Russia is a, or Venus is a Russian planet. And I said, yeah. I said, it is a Russian planet. Um, and the person like laugh reacted, but the, the reason, of course, I think they were saying it. The reason I was saying it is because Russia is the only country to land a spacecraft on the surface of Venus, but it like burned up within 20 minutes because it's like completely uninhabitable. Uh, but technically, uh, it's a Russian planet. <laughs> and so like what would be interesting, I mean, I, the speculation is that the life is probably like microscopic or something like there's, yeah. I don't think there's a suggestion that, I mean, if it's a form of life that can survive at that on the surface, if that's really what's going on, which I kind of doubt, um, yeah. then it's something pretty foreign to what we understand as habitability. Um, but yeah, like, well, why do you want to end there? I guess. Oh, I don't. I, I just, um, I, I, I guess, insofar as that's a potentially um, hopeful statement that if this planet falls apart, which it is, maybe we could end up there. But when you were when you mentioned the Russia thing, I thought what I thought you were going to say in the context of astrology is something about the Ven, the Venusian um, sign, and I don't mm. even know what that is, and just that where it's it's sort of, um, I guess it's. Uh, it's constellation within uh, in this solar system where it la- where it lands is somehow very Russian in terms of personality. Mm, uh, I'd have to think about that. Okay. Uh, that's not, I, they weren't talking. No, no. So someone said <laughs> the person posted a screenshot from somewhere yeah. else. I don't think right. they were posting a screenshot. I don't think the person was saying it's a Russian planet in astrological terms they were just oh, okay. saying it's a russian planet yeah well i think russia did they claimed it didn't they well i assume i mean i would hope yeah. so if they landed yeah. there exactly yeah um and i was just going to say i thought that that would be fitting that it's sort of the planet astrologically speaking fits the russian sort of mo but maybe it doesn't yeah i, I don't know enough look, about it right i'm gonna look it up there's uh there there is sort of astrology of place um mm. So, and now, granted, Russia's a big country. Or the Simpsons episode where, what is it, Homer saves uh, uh, you know, one of Marge's sister's job at the DMV because he takes a cigarette for her. Wait a minute. Those are yours, sir? Yes. <coughs> I am in flavor country. Both of them? <coughs> it's a big country. Ladies, I apologize. And you, sir, are worse than Hitler. So keep yakking. Uh, sure. Here we go. It says Aquarius. I can see that. It's about Aquarian. Aquarius is very future oriented and like 
about all this like radical disruption and shit. Like I had pointed out to my friend and then they made the same point on Chapo. Like, um, we are, this election is clearly like, um, Russia in like the seventies, like with just this, this like string of completely literally like demented rulers who don't know where they are. That's Um, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, uh, I was just going to say. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, that that seems to be again Adam Curtis's point in hypernormalization. I mean, that's what I took from it—the way he described that collapsing Soviet Union. I'm like, oh, that's us right now. Right. Um, the Aquarian. You know, when they say the age of Aquarius, I've talked about this before, but like, moving from the age of Pisces, which is the last two thousand years of like everything about religion and slavery and domination and control, but also um the, the kind of moving beyond materiality into this like more ethereal realm which is obviously what's happened with the rise of science but that that rise has been as we've shifted shifting more into the aquarian age um and like you know the the russian revolution and subsequent technological and social dispositions like even if we just bracket the authoritarianism for a moment like the there was some wild shit that they were trying to do in terms of futurism and biology and stuff like that like these crazy approaches um and you know they were for better or worse like nuclear power and stuff like that uh so russia's more aquarian i think the u.s is um cancerian i want to say might be Gemini. Or- so then that is to say the Aquarian uh, sign is not associated with Venus. No. Okay. Um, maybe, it, maybe its third rulership is Venus. Yeah, because it's an air sign. So there's like a very indirect um, relationship. Um, <laughs> but astrologically, you know, astrology versus the actual planet is sort of different question sure but uh the maybe the more russian news was that they they think that they found um they think it's possible that there's they're saying there's living material something organic life on one of saturn's moons that they're like observing right now i'm googling it god i hope so (laughs) Uh, no, this isn't, this is old shit. Um, oh yeah. Saturn's ocean moon in Celadus has fresh ice in an unexpected place. Okay. So that's maybe what it is. Um, and Celadus is one of many promising abodes for alien life in the solar system. In addition to the subsurface ocean and geological activity, the moon likely has an energy source that organisms could tap into. Chemical reactions perhaps similar to those that sustain life near Earth's deep sea hydrothermal vents. And Saturn in astrology uh, is like the kind of old ruler of Aquarius. So that would be more the Russian connection. Uh, If you want to get real direct, but (laughs) anyway. That's all right. 